The 4 o'clock football frenzy is presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. All right, football frenzy time. We're going to actually take advantage of uh, a great conversation yesterday with Mike Mayock, uh, the GM of the Raiders, and Lindsey Rhodes, formerly of NFL Network. She's got her own podcast. We'll do that on multiple occasions throughout the show because there's a lot of good stuff and in the convo and really the, the hot button issue, John, for the Raiders in the offseason. Yes, the defense. And he had some comments about the defense. We'll hit those down the road. But it, it's the offensive line. It was one of the better units a couple of years ago. They, you know, they they backslid last year, but they had a lot of injury issues. Trent Brown was a freaking mess. So they dumped a bunch of the veterans. They're having young guys try to step up. They drafted uh, a guy at Alabama and Leatherwood to play right tackle. I want you to listen to uh, Mayock as he kind of takes us through the rationale of just blowing up the offensive line. Why'd you blow up the offensive line? I think that's been my biggest question here because it felt like it was an area of strength on your team. Um, and then it it appeared that maybe you guys didn't think so. No, it's not that. I know people were, were kind of like, wow, why'd they do that? I don't feel like we took a step back. We wouldn't have made that move if if we felt that. To stay healthy in this league, you've got to continually churn your roster and you have to make some decisions that aren't easy. And as a matter of fact, I talk all the time about you got to make the right decision for the building. Okay. So I think the right decision for the building part of it is Trent Brown. Uh, there was already a reference to Trent Brown, thinly veiled by Gruden talking about uh, you don't want energy vampires around. And Trent Brown was making a lot of money. He wasn't consistent, didn't seem very driven. And then you had, you know, he catches the bad break with the, the uh, needle gone wrong and all that. So that derails the season even more. Again, I think the shocking part is that it, it all happened at one time, you know, that it was, it was three of the guys who were uh, two were stalwarts. They were making good money, but you know, they were still pretty good players. Keep going on with Mayock. But at a certain point, the skill set is going to decline inevitable, especially with offensive linemen. And, and this is why there are certain teams around the league that I think are so good. And when they move on from players, they typically do it a year a year early rather than a year late. One of the reasons they're good every year is they trust their drafts and they're willing to let veterans move on. And they keep replenishing them with good younger players that cost less. So Patriots and Steelers come to mind. Yeah, of course. Uh, except, except, except for big men. But you saw what the, the Steelers did. Could Villanueva keep playing another year? Of course he could, but they're like, we're out. Well, right. But the Steelers, obviously, part of their – like David DeCastro, that's not part of their cho- choosing. Like no, no, some no. of those – some of the issues of the Steelers – and here's the other thing. I don't think you want to use the Steelers' offensive line as your as your model. The Steelers' offensive line was not good last year. It wasn't good last year, yeah. So, <laughs> so actually, they did wait one year too long. And I guess I'm more referencing yeah. – they seem to have been able to replenish the their defense over the years and their roster over the years. And we certainly know on a wide receiver they've done a really good job. But he, he was mostly referencing what the Patriots have done. And we'll see if the Patriots – the Patriot way continues to work. Keep going. We signed a guy in college free agency three years ago named Andre James, who was a tackle at UCLA. We moved him inside. Rodney missed a, uh, a game and a half two years ago, and Andre stepped in and played pretty well. And he's gotten better every day in practice. He's smart. He's tough. He cares. We believe he can be a starting center in this league and play at a very high level. And we were able to, to take that and leverage and say, okay, we're going to move Rodney, and we got a third-round pick back for Rodney, okay, and save $10 million. Makes sense? Yeah. Makes sense. 
I, like I mean, what I'm what I'm having trouble wrapping my head around is, you know, he sets it up in the second clip that we just played by talking about like getting, you know, not getting rid of that's strong, but moving on from players before they decline. So did you think that a majority of your offensive line was going to decline like this year? Right. I get the Trent Brown. Like it's just it's odd to set it up that way and then have this they're, mass they're... exodus. There, but but well, the Brown thing, con, not that it came from out of nowhere, but obviously it reached a right. It reached a desperation point where you got to make a move on him, and yeah, yeah, Gabe Jackson slipped more than Rodney Hudson, but Hudson did slip, and it didn't it didn't help last year that you know guys were hurt and Incognito went down, and then all of a sudden Denzel Good seemingly has to play every position on the line, so. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of bold moves, and you have to trust in your line coach. Tom Cable is awesome, and then you got to trust in your personnel judgment that guys are ready to go. We drafted a guy named John Simpson in the fourth round a year ago, and we kind of look at our guards when we say between Richie Incognito, Denzel Good, and John Simpson, we feel really good about those three guys for two spots. We got a third-round pick and a fifth-round pick, and we saved $20 million. And now we can go sign Yannick Ngakwe on the defensive side of the ball, where, where we really need help. Okay. Look, the, I will say that the reasoning is sound. Like, I understand the path that he is taking at this point right now. But it's also, you cannot deny that it is is it a gamble. It is a gamble to yes. a certain extent, right? Because some of the guys you're relying on going forward are unknowns of how, about how they're going to play. Yep. In their certain positions, Simpson so, had a lot of Simpson had a lot of rough moments. Uh, we don't mm-hmm. know as much about Andre James, especially at center, because Hudson was a rock. And Den- is Denzel good, just a utility guy, or can he be a full time player? Right. And for a team that is going to be relying on the run game, and Derek Carr has had some pretty decent offensive lines in front of him the last couple of years. You know what that's going to look like if this this gamble does not pay off. But I can understand the logic absolutely. We'll have more from Ayak in the 5 o'clock hours. He also talks about the head coach-quarterback relationship, which always seems to be debated, like, is Derek Carr really John Gruden's guy? We flip the page. More football, 4 o'clock hour is uh, mostly football when we get a chance, and now we're getting close to the football season. How do we know that? We just had a football media day on the college side. Everyone else is rolling out next week. We're going to talk Big 12 on the way back with one of the voices of uh, Big 12 Radio on Sirius XM, Ari Temkin. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. Stick around. More of Cofield and Company is on the way. There is a sweet spot and it really comes down to health. For some of the interior guys, it comes down to, do they still have their legs? Can they climb to the second level? Can they practice on a daily basis? Do they need time off? But one of the things I used to say at NFL Network all the time is you can't let an offensive line grow old together. And when I took the job, that was one of my biggest concerns. As a matter of fact, I said that to John at my interview. The football talk continues here on Cofield and Company. We just got done hearing uh, some clips from Raiders GM Mike Mayock. On the way back, you hear about philosophy of blowing up the offensive line. More of that's coming in the 5 o'clock hour. But let's flip the page. Let's talk about college football. We got football media days going down next week. We'll be out of the Mountain West Conference media day 
on Wednesday. Ari Temkin covers the Big 12. He's on Big 12 Radio for Sirius XM. He was just stationed at Big 12 Media Day, so we want a full review of some of the big stories that went down. Uh, right off the bat, tell people in Vegas what the setting was for Big 12 Football Media Days. Yeah, and by the way, I'm guessing Pac-12 Media Days will soon be in Vegas. Certainly should be soon, <laughs> yeah. and I bet will be. Um, maybe even their headquarters should be and will be in Vegas as well. Right. Um, the George Klyavkov effect. But yeah, AT&T <laughs> Stadium, the site of uh, Big 12 Media Days. They've had it now la- there for the last, I guess this would be two years. Obviously not last year, but the year before. It was previously at, at the Star in Frisco, um, you know, where the Cowboys train, that huge facility. But they moved it to AT&T Stadium in Arlington, which is a better it's a better venue because you know you get on the field. The Jerry World is pretty cool, um, and so yeah, we we were set up there. You know, it, Cofield, you know, it, a little inside baseball radio. We were doing six hours of radio with minute forty breaks in between. Ooh, and I mean, it's not like we're we're you know we we don't have any we don't have to come up with topics for six hours. It's just like a car wash <laughs> of yeah. all of the coaches and players coming through, but it was still just endless 12 hours, short breaks. But I mean, a lot of information. Um, it was, it was fun. A lot of fun. Well, I'm going to start out with the most unlikely choice to start a conversation about the big 12. Did Kansas football not make it? <laughs> Indeed. Are we serious? Uh, what happened? The, these jokes write themselves. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we had so many puns, you know, about Lance Lipo trying to, you know, bring Kansas football back to prominence, but but couldn't get it off the ground. Um, no, they they had bad weather uh, on Friday or Thursday in 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 Lawrence, and so I mean, I guess when you know your pilot of your private jet says <laughs> we can't fly, you listen. <laughs> so that's what happened. But yeah, I mean, um, by the by, by the way, I'll break in. Your comment right there, a lot of people don't realize, uh, you know, how uh, big time football works in college football. You just mentioned private jet. So Kansas is up to snuff in terms of the charter and all that stuff. They've got money to be good at football. They're just just not good at football yet. (laughs) I'm sure it's the basketball team's charter, you know. Uh, But yeah, I mean, and and for a lot of these kids that, you know, I mean, especially the football players, like they're not going to have access to that jet normally. So, you know, a couple of guys that aren't going to get much publicity or play because they play for the University of Kansas. You know, um, Lasseter and and um, and Kenny Logan just didn't get the opportunity. But, yeah, um, even Kansas football, Man. a you know, quote-unquote FCS-level <laughs> program at this point in time, is flying, uh, is got a private jet. Well, Texas has everything. They've, they've got money. They've got money for basketball. They've got money for football, oodles of money. And I think that was one of the big stories, right? Sark at his first Big 12 media day, so – what was your impression of Sark? And then if you you know you want to elaborate, uh, what are they doing at quarterback? And are they going to be elite? Yeah, they have everything, Cofield, even Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> <laughs> All the money in the world and Matthew McConaughey. You know, it's funny. You ask about the big story, and my response to this has, always, has been, well, the big story should have been Spencer Rattler, who is the Heisman Trophy frontrunner. You could argue the face of college football this year, and he wasn't at Big 12 Media Days because Lincoln Riley hates fun. And he's a troll. And so, you know, when I asked him where Spencer Rattler, he says, well, he's not an upperclassman. This is just for upperclassmen. Okay, well, he's a redshirt sophomore. So he's a third-year player. He's the face of college football. They instead brought Jeremiah Hall, who's a really nice guy and, and was excited to be there. And he's, he's a, a fullback, first-team All-Big 12 preseason fullback. But it's just it's so perfectly Lincoln Riley. Um, this would never happen in the SEC. 
It would never happen in the SEC. You know, no, in no way would Nick Saban say, we're not going to bring Tua Tugavailoa to media days. It, even before it became public, Greg Sankey would be like, no, you're going to bring him. So, you know, this is just a good example of the Big 12 not having the best centralized leadership. And I shouldn't say best. It's just a different setup. Um, the SEC has better centralized leadership. The Big 12 sort of serves at the pleasure of its member institutions. So they, you know, the, the, the teams call the shots, whereas the SEC, the SEC calls the shots to a certain degree. So, you know, it, it's just a good example of the, the leadership and hierarchy of the Big 12 that sort of allowed a situation in which Spencer Rattler didn't show up and therefore Sark becomes the big story because Rattler is the big story. Sark's a secondary story. And to answer your question, I do. Th- I'm big on Sark. I didn't like I didn't like the hire when they made it. But I do think after talking to some folks in Austin, sort of seeing how he's handled the first few months, talking to him, um, I think he's the right guy for the job. No question. I think he is going to lead Texas back to prominence. Um, you know, and and I don't know if that's this year because the Big Twelve is really good, but it's coming. The favorites in the league: Oklahoma and Iowa State. Who's got a better shot at the Final Four berth? Oklahoma, Oklahoma. This is the year I think Oklahoma wins a playoff game um, because they're loaded on offense, as you'd expect. Um, but you know, they are. Um, you know, in addition to how good their offense is, they've got a really good defense too. Um, and so, you know, it, that's the difference this year with this team is, you know, they have a really good top 10 level uh, defense to, to complement their offense. They can get stops. They have a really good defensive front. Alex Grinch, um, who's their defensive coordinator, um, who's Gary Pinkle's um, uh, uh, nephew. Um, he's he's going to be out, he's going to be getting head coaching opportunities after this season. We're talking Big 12 football media days. Ari Temkin is up with us on Cofield. And company, uh, I'll be a smart ass and kind of play to the, uh, the the national narrative on Oklahoma. Who could they lose to early to upset this thing? Because it, it seems like they always get an early loss where they're not focused, they're not ready to go. I looked at the schedule. I don't see anything super dangerous. No. And the, the intriguing thing, I mean, obviously Texas is a dangerous game on October 9th. The crazy thing and the, the setup could be Iowa State and Oklahoma just rolling towards the end of the season, potentially both unbeaten, playing on November 20th. Right. I mean, that is – that's it. I mean, their non-conference is pretty bad. I mean, Nebraska, that's the big game. It's the 50-year anniversary of the greatest game ever played. Um, and so, I mean, but Nebraska's not – they're not worthy of, of what Oklahoma can do this year. Um, I mean, there's Texas, TCU early, but they get them at home. TCU, I think, is a potential surprise team, potential double-digit double win team. Okay. I don't know if you have their, your over-under in front of them. I don't, think, I don't know if you have TCU's over-under in front of you, but I would take the over. Um, cause I, I think TCU could be really good, but yeah, I mean, Iowa state and then Bedlam the final week of the season. So we could see Iowa state and Oklahoma twice in three weeks, which kind of sucks. I think Iowa state, interesting situation. Cause Matt Campbell got a lot of attention the last couple of years, taking the little engine that could to a high level and then getting an offer for like 10 mil a year for eight years or something like that with the Lions. I wonder if now there's a little bit of pressure They're They're the hunted now, Iowa state. Yeah, very much so. Um, and look, they, they did have a little bit of this in 2019 when Brock Purdy was going into his sophomore year because they want they, they were a major surprise team in 18. Purdy was a true freshman starting and played really well. And then they graduated a bunch of really good players. Hakeem Butler on the outside, who's now at Arizona. 
and 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 David Montgomery, the running back who's with the Bears. Those are two major pieces that they didn't have. And so I feel like this team is more prepared for this than they were before. I mean, look, this is a program, Cofield, that has not had much success. They, they've they been playing football at Iowa State since 1892. They've had zero 10-win seasons. They've had three nine-win seasons, and one of those was last year. So, I mean, they are very much rewriting the history books of Iowa State football, and they bring back everybody, all 11 starters on a, a – legitimate top 10 defense last year. And, and it's the emergence of, you know, Charlie Kohler, at tight end, Brees Hall, leading rusher in college football last year, running back and weapons on the outside. Like they're, they're a really good team. I've actually, I picked Texas tw- a second in the preseason poll. I'm very much in the minority there. Uh, there's really no reason why I should have, <laughs> but Iowa state is the second best team in this conference. They're legit top 10, certainly legitimate title contenders, the only thing that gets in the way of that is the blue chip ratio, right? Yep. So if we believe, you know, the blue chip ratio, which seems to be pretty good year after year, um, then there's not much because they're they're well shy of that. But the, Matt Campbell does a, a ridiculously good job of developing players. Um, he's just he's awesome. You talk to him for ten minutes and you want to play for him. You want to run through a wall for him. He's just a great dude, authentic, deep thinker, gets you fired up. It's easy to see why he's such a good coach. Who is the sleeper in the league? Baylor, Texas Tech, Kansas State. That's like the second level. Um, that's a good question. So I like one, two, Oklahoma, Iowa State, and then you've got Texas, Oklahoma State. Right. Sorry. One, two, Oklahoma, Iowa State. And then you've got <laughs> Texas, Oklahoma State, TCU, which is like who can be the really good team out of those three? Um, Phil still predicted that TCU would win 10 games this year, which would be crazy. Um, considering you know it's been a while since they won ten games, and, and then out of the group you named, I mean I guess I'd say Kansas State, um, but there none of those teams you named Tech, Baylor, and and Kansas State are without flaw, um, but Kansas State has that sixth year quarterback back and Skylar Thompson who's who's pretty good, pretty underrated, um, you know they've got Malik Knowles and Philip Brooks, pretty pretty good weapons on the outside. They've got Deuce Vaughn who is a stud, true freshman. He's like the second coming of Darren Sproles for Kansas State. Um, I worry about their defense a little bit. They're good on offense. It's like all those teams you just mentioned, like have, have certainly have strengths. I would say Kansas State, though, out of all of them, to be kind of the surprise team. So I think the NIL conversation at all these media days is going to be fascinating. And I'm still trying to figure out yeah. what exactly is going to happen if the gap between the haves and the have-nots gets bigger, if the have-nots actually have a chance because of now money they could funnel into the program above board, that some of the have-nots could come from out of nowhere and you're like, oh, there's a lot of money in that area. I found it really interesting that the Kansas State coach said that Manhattan, Kansas, quote, is a home run for name, image, and likeness, and the town is a gold mine for potential NIL deals. Uh, I kind of laughed at it, but maybe he's right. Maybe Kansas State has so much money uh, locally that they can actually make up some of the ground with NIL. Do you buy that? So here's the deal that we could sit here and come up with a hundred different, you know, byproducts, you know, parts of NIL that could benefit big cities, could benefit small towns. Like there are so many different factors at play here that I, I'm not entirely sure what everything means in terms of who has the advantage, who doesn't right. like the market's going to materialize. And then there's like the transfer portal part of this where you can get the one-year transfer for free. Then there's the potential of, you know, are they going to have group rights, group licensing rights, which that still is, is an unknown factor. There could There's going to be more lawsuits coming down. That's what the Supreme Court ruling basically allowed for. 
you know, Kansas in particular, my alma mater, like they're, they're in that IARP NCAA deal now where like you can't, you know, it, it, they're going to give you a ruling and it's, that's it. You can't even um, um, try to get, you know, go back on it. Like I bet Kansas, when that IARP ruling comes out, will sue the NCAA. So like there's so many things coming together at once here that like I could make a pretty good argument that NIL is going to really benefit UNLV, right? I mean, why wouldn't it? I can make a really good argument that NIL will benefit Kansas State because of Manhattan, Kansas. So, like, yep. I, I think there's advantages to being in a big city. You've got way more businesses, businesses yeah. that have deeper pockets that are probably going to be willing to support those athletic departments. You also have smaller towns. I mean, so I think you can make the case for both sides of it. Um, so that's why it's like we're going to hear a lot of this. Let's let 10 years from now, we're going to look back and the market will materialize. And, and you know, there's going to be overreactions. I think what happened in Miami where you've got a guy, a business paying 500 bucks to each player, yeah, it's going to cost a half a million dollars a year. Like if that's a bad investment, if you're not going to get an ROI in your investment, then you're going to go, you know, you can go to business for bad investments like that. So I, I just think like there's going to be things like this that happen immediately. And five, 10 years from now, we'll look back and be like, wow, that I never predicted that this would happen. Or I never thought that this would happen. Football's right around the corner. Cofield and company all over it. Doing a little Big 12 media day review with Ari Temkin. Uh, last one. So one of the other big topics was something with the horns down and taunting. And I'll tell you right off the bat. Uh, the officials policing fun sucks. They're not qualified to do it. They have a tough enough time just doing what they're supposed to do. Right. But the other angle here is, I mean, am I wrong? Is it clear that someone at Texas went freaking whining to the Big 12 and they're like, the horns down is insulting. We have to <laughs> we have to throw flags for Tony. This is nuts. You're Texas. Come on. <laughs> so I, it's a good question of the origination of it. I got to say, Cofield, aren't you a little concerned? It's a gateway hand gesture. You know, who knows what leads to after that? <laughs> That's a good line. <laughs> you never yeah. know. That's you got to go. stamp it out before it's it's a gateway. But, yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous. It's uh, it's so dumb. I, you know, it's a good question. I don't know. I feel like it started with Will Greer, the former West Virginia quarterback. Where like he went into a corner of the crowd and like did the horns down and like after scoring a touchdown, it was I don't know. It was just like the most offensive thing you could possibly do. I, I'm with you. It's dumb. It's it it, it, it there's nothing like this anywhere else, and it, it just <laughs> like the fact that it's even a story. It just boggles my mind. Not, not it doesn't boggle my mind, but like. If I'm the conference, I'm just not commenting. Like, I just don't want to comment. on. I'm just not concerned with it. And I, it's just, it's crazy to me. All right, Tampkin, you can hear him doing uh, Big 12 radio on Sirius XM radio. That's uh, 5 o'clock in the morning our time. He does the morning show 5 to 8. And he's got a bunch of uh, former Big 12 players as co-hosts. And uh, he's doing everything, man. He's on ESPNU doing national radio for Sirius XM as well. Not that Big 12 radio is not national. Ari, right, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. You're the best, Cofield. Thanks, buddy. There he is, Ari Temkin, Big 12 expert right here on Cofield and Company. Coming up, the Fat Pack, where we're going to tell you about the perils of dollar, $2 beer night at some parks around minor league baseball. The phone lines are open, and we want to hear from you. Call 702-364-1100 and tell us what's on your mind. We don't mess around when it comes to food. It's the Fat Pack, brought to you by Nova Home Loans. And there's wine already for tasting, and there's Cadillacs all shiny. All right, moving into the second half of the show, Johnny Von Tobel is with us. 
Fat Pack time. We got to talk about beer nights in the minor leagues. We'll do that in just a second. But uh, at the halfway point, I do have to check in. John, I think, just took a little nap during the conversation uh, with uh, Ari Temkin, so that's why I didn't hear him. Are you okay? Because you were doing a 4A show today on VSIN. And I got to say, I'm, I'm proud to see that the company takeover, when I'm out, generally is a company takeover for years and years and years on Cofield and Company. Now the company takeover is going down on VSIN's biggest show. Yeah. Adam Hill and I filling I, in for I, Mitch I, and Paul. I loved. I loved what I saw from you guys. You guys have good chemistry. I don't know where you've developed that. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Actually, uh, <laughs> the the one that we got the most reaction on, surprisingly, was our breakdown of the point spread between the monster, the excuse me, the yeah! Dune Squad and the Toon Squad. Yeah. Uh, for the new Space Jam movie. So. Well, you know, last night on our late night podcast, I was asking Adam. I'm like, do you feel pressure? You feel pressure on the show that you gotta you gotta stick with all the hardcore betting. And uh, he said, nah, not really. Uh, so I threw it out there that you guys should do an hour on Space Jam and all the props around Space Jam, too. So good. I'm glad you did it. We burned a segment on it. That's for sure. Whoa, and, whoa, uh, I whoa, whoa, gone. whoa, whoa, whoa. Do you want this gig long term or not? One, as we've spoken about many times, no such thing in radio as a segment. We're not a radio. And then, and then you doubled down by saying we burned one. What is going yeah. on here? What does that mean? What? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, I mean, we're, we're television, so th- there is segments in television. The, the show flows. Familiar. That's a good point. You guys are replayed all the time. We're, mm-hmm. uh, my philosophy is uh, we're, we're flowing through the hour. We're flowing through the hour. We don't break it down to uh, get par- portions of the show out of the way. So, But I'm well, glad so you guys did well. I saw a bunch of videos. You're taking burn as a negative. I meant burn as in like it went through pretty quick. Like it, time it was fire because we were having fun. Yeah, It was fire. Am I using fire the right way now? Yeah, I mean, I guess you're also like 20 years behind fire. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, I have some of those Space Jam props. We'll do those in about 15 minutes. It was busting. $2 beer night last night at the LV ballpark. Uh, No incidents that I've seen. It's not always the case when you roll out the, uh, the cheap suds in the minors, especially in my home state of New Jersey. Oh, no. A video on... TMZ, apparently a game between the New Jersey Jackals and the Sussex County Miners at uh, Yogi Berra Stadium. The shame! Frontier League game. Uh, Apparently, players charged the fans in the stands after some spectators allegedly threw beer at them. So, the fists were flying, and the uh, there are, oh, I would say 10 players from both teams in the stands mixing it up. Looking to get looking to get a piece of some of the fans. Good. Look, I'm sorry, but uh, yeah, plain old heckling does not elicit this response. I am no. willing to bet, uh, since it's a fat pack, dollars to donuts that nice. there was beer thrown here, and that there was an escalation of some sort by the fans, which then deserved a whooping at the hand of these minor league players. Like I don't like think about it too. I, I don't get paid enough to hear this. What are you doing? Minor league games are mainly family attractions. You come out, you get outside, right? You take the kid to a game, whatever it is. To do something like that at a minor league game, not that doing it at a major league game is acceptable. You, you know what I mean? Like, these guys are barely getting paid. Just let them live their lives. What are you doing? You what, would ever, what would ever prompt you to throw an object at a performer on the field? And, and, and also, not think about repercussions that 
they're a human being, probably younger and bigger than you. And if they want, right, they can go and defend themselves. Why would you throw something on the field or at or at them on the field? Absolutely nothing. Like there, there would be nothing short of actually. There would be one thing. If Shohei Otani were to get into a fight in front of me, oh, you would. I would okay. defend. I would defend him. I would defend. Well, you wouldn't throw anything. You'd jump right on the field. Right. Yeah. I'd be like Otani-san, and I would jump through the net <laughs> and just <laughs> protect him. What my you sent? You sent some sort of uh, twit. Was it a Twitter handle earlier in the day? Some kind of Otani Twitter, and I was like, "Is this Shohei Otani's account?" And then I looked at it. More closely, uh, Shohei, I save us. Mm-hmm. And it just, wait a second. Oh, the first, the pinned photo is actually, is this your burner account? Swohei Otani? The first picture is Swohei Otani, a side-by-side of Shohei in 18 and now in 21. It's got jacked. We know, dude. We know. May you send us pictures almost account. every day. It may or may not be my account. Oh, look at the following. <laughs> we gotta, we gotta investigate. So, uh, minor league baseball in town. Uh, home series started last night with two dollar beer night with El Paso at the LV Ballpark. Got five more games coming up. Friday all the way through Tuesday, they're doing these super long series where they do uh, five and six games at a time. So it's El Paso uh, tonight is clear tote bags night. Aviator socks night is tomorrow, and then you go all the way through uh, Tuesday with this series. Plenty of good seats available. Grab your tickets at Ticketmaster.com. Please do so. Support the Aviators. We like that. And if you're not going to go out there, you can hear the games on uh, R&R 920 AM, our sister station. Uh, another minor league baseball story. I don't know if you clicked on this picture. Sent this over because we oh, exchanged stories. I had I don't know how I missed this. There's a minor league baseball stadium that has a lazy river. Yeah, it looks like it. I don't know. Is it a lazy river or is it just like a moat? Because a lazy river indicates that it floats around in a circle. I don't think this does because people are just standing in it and floating and drinking. Um, but yeah, there's like a moat around the outfield wall. That's brilliant. It looks like fun. In non-pandemic times. I, well, I'm very... I, and I thought I will say I thought you guys might go there on that one. I'm very I don't want to say I'm anti pool. I'm really anti like public spaces for the most part where we're in the same fluids, right? Bathrooms and pools. So like public pools, especially where people are drunk and I'm sorry, but you're really gonna tell me that nobody's urinated in that pool while they're watching a baseball game? With all the beer? Right. I'm kind of out. And that's what the chlorine is for. Did did you ever believe when you were a child, I found out that this the other day, that did you know that there actually is not anything you can put in your pool that tells you that people are peeing in it? Like I was told what? as a kid that like if you peed in the pool, like all of a sudden a red cloud would form around you and everybody would know that you peed in the pool <laughs> so that you can't pee in the pool. But apparently that's a lie that they tell children so that they won't pee in the pool. By the way, when what beach did you go to in California? Speaking of water. Newport. Oh, you did go to Newport. So I went to Newport mm-hmm. as well. Every time your child or yourself had to use the uh, the restroom, did you go up to a restroom? Yeah. Oh, you did? Yeah, why? 
it's a long walk. It's a long walk on the beach to get up to. Uh, uh, yeah, that sand's hot. The first time we went, to, so when we first we get there, right? It's like we drive down, and it's like two. Like we we get there early because, like you know, we want to hang out on the beach and do whatever. And it's two hours before my dad would eventually get there, and you know, we could get access to the beach house and everything. And so I'm like, all right, yeah, let's go to the beach. You know, kid wants to hang out there, whatever. We park. It's one of these beaches where it's like it's we had to park like in the little community and then walk down. It, we, we did the distance. It was like a mile and a half both ways. We get Whoa. all the way down. We get down to the beach. We get down to the water. My son steps foot in the water and he goes, I got to go to the bathroom. And I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> like, we just came from there, bro. Come on. So we literally had to walk all the way back so I could take him to a, a disgusting bathroom. Um, luckily, by the way, it was only number one because uh, I have yet to. Ex- my son has yet to experience a public bathroom where he's got to take a dump. I, I don't know what's going to happen there. But so why uh, would you? Why would you walk from the ocean, a body of water, to go release water into other water? Why not stay in the water and release the water into the water? Uh, two things. One, I'm not an animal. Uh, two, my son was actually scared of the water; wouldn't get it. So. <laughs> It wasn't an option. And you, you, uh, you sound. You came off as anti-beach. You were anti-sand. You were very oh, anti-sand. You were I very agitated. Beach. I had no issue. I had no issue with the sand, my friend. I don't know what your problem is. I love the beach. I, I'm just anti-sand. Like really? the, the sand is a is the tax you pay for enjoying the beach. I had no issue with it, but you know, I grew up near beautiful beaches on the Jersey Shore. So you're going to tell Actually, me that time- showering off all the sand and all that stuff that's not a pain. I didn't mind it. No, you just take a hose and you shower off the sand. No, it's a pain. Were you guys, were you rolling in the sand? What are you doing? Well, we were making sand castles. Okay, well, that adds to it. Yeah. I was mostly doing beach sports on my feet in the fine condition I'm in. Were you volleyballing? I was, uh, the the lady we stayed with, one of our friends has a seven-year-old. He's going to be eight. High energy guy, like too much. Um, and we were playing. He had a little paddle ball thing, smash ball. Oh, okay. They were going back and forth on that, and then whatever he could throw, we were throwing. But we walked by. We were on the beach one time. There was like these insanely yoked dudes, like throwing a football at each other as hard as they possibly could. And Diego <laughs> started like like sauntering yeah. over. And he's like, "I want to yeah. play," and I'm like, yeah. "I'm like, you can't. Like, it's a little too." And he's like, he looks at me, and all serious, he's like, "I can do it," you know. And I'm like, like. Nah. Not yet, child. Not yet. Aren't you encouraged by that, though? Because the the the, uh, the kid I was around was doing the same thing. Like, he would walk up to anyone. If he didn't have someone to play with in our group, he would just walk up to people, and he's like, yeah, let's go. Come on. Give me the ball. Oh. He Like, like two guys two guys are sitting there playing this smash ball, paddle ball, and he walks up with his own racket, and he's like, I want in. I'm like, dude, you can't, like, you're, like, making it a three-way tennis game. Uh, you're seven. They're, like, 20. What are you doing? But, oh. but I, I thought – I thought it was really encouraging that the kid just like he'll just walk up to anybody and go, "Let's go." Well, so my kid is like that. He will walk up to anybody, which yeah. is so troubling as well because at some point I have to explain to him like, "Like, all right, don't trust everybody." Yes. Okay. <laughs> like the other day, the other day I took him to IHOP because he wanted to get out of the house, and you know, Isabel, my wife, is pregnant. She wasn't feeling good, so we get her some time to rest, and he wanted pancakes. I'm like, all right, I'll take it IHOP, whatever. And so we're sitting in the booth, and like we're leaving, and so I'm looking down at the receipt, and I'm signing. And I look up, and the waitress is like hugging my son, and I'm like, "What is happening? Like, what are we doing right now?" So it is encouraging that he has literally no fear when it comes to human interaction, but at the same time, it's also very frightening that he has no fear when it comes to human interaction. 
Space Jam 2 is out. Space Jam 1 is available everywhere if you want to go back and watch it. It's Jordan against LeBron. Here we go, and we've got the betting odds. Finley Toyota in the Valley Auto Mall has the largest Toyota service facility in Nevada. Stick around. More of Cofield and Company is on the way. Why is everyone so infatuated with the 90s? Because it was the greatest decade ever before computers ruined the world. Really? You have to realize that in 2004, the iPhone came out, right? Okay. What's happened in pop culture since 2004 to 21? Yeah. Nothing. It's the lost generation. Pop culture's dead. So the last generation where pop culture was alive, where you had fashion that actually mimicked the music, and they can't come out with anything cool since the 90s. Since the if 90s. you look at the mall, you go shopping today, and what do you see? You see Air Jordans. Yeah. That's 90s. Yeah. Even LeBron can't sell a fraction of the shoes that Jordan sells. Yeah. He hadn't played basketball in 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> Nice job. Bass Sound Crew pulling Vanilla Ice interview from TikTok. Okay. All right. Uh, if you actually think about what Vanilla Ice was saying there, are the 90s the greatest decade ever, or is Vanilla Ice proof that the 90s are the worst decade ever? I think he's proof that they're the worst decade ever. Yeah. Like we talked about at the beginning of the pandemic, all those people who went to go see Vanilla Ice – Imagine dying for vanilla ice. Oh, that's right. Was that in Texas? People were ready to crowd into a, yeah. a venue to go see vanilla ice. And let me tell you, I got to see him here at the uh, the downtown uh, event center. And uh, my God, he literally has nothing he can do besides ice ice baby. Of course. He was the headliner. And like every other, it was all 90s hip hop. All of them were great. He got up there and the crowd was like, it, there was just a murmur like, he's not He's not going to do this five times, is he? <laughs> the thing is, if he doesn't do Ice Ice Baby, then he starts talking, and you're like, okay, oh. we also don't want to hear your opinion on stuff. Did so. he go Ninja Turtle? Go Ninja, go Ninja, go. That's a good go point. Ninja, I, that that go was pretty big. Ninja. That was pretty big. Um, but even he even he is fanning the flames of LeBron and Jordan. Space Jam 1, Space Jam 2. Space Jam 2 is out. I saw some odds out uh, from uh, Anthony Pucci over at uh, Front Office Sports. Uh, let's see. LeBron outscored Jordan plus 150. Toon Squad minus one over Goon Squad. What was, the, was that the number you guys had this morning when you guys did yeah, the show? Did, yeah, Toon Squad minus one. I laid the one uh, with a total of 159 and a half, yep. somewhere in that range. Yep. Don't. No uh, spoilers. No spoilers. Well, I'll tell you this. I think there was a dunk prop for, for a LeBron. Well, there was. I think it was four and a half was his uh, dunks set at. Yeah. Um, yes. So let's say this. The final trailer that was released for Space Jam – Massive spoiler. You can see the final scoreboard of the trailer if you pause it. Oh, no. So during the commercial break, I did my due diligence, and I have the final score. Don't, don't, It would don't. shock you to know. Don't do that it. The Toon Squad wins. Is that shocking? But it's a bad beat for Adam. Why would you do that? Why would you because keep going with it? Stop. I'm because gonna watch. Adam found Adam found an alternate line of Toon Squad minus one and a half. Stop. And he figured it would be a buzzer beating. Like like he figured oh, it would no. be it would be down two, hit a yeah. three point shot to win by one. Yeah. Not the case. Yep. Adam loses the bet. The goon squad loses by two. 
Ari, have you have you blown up? Have you blown up the the dump machine? Are you are you just dumping constantly here? Exactly. This cannot go on the air. Is, is it a shock that the Toon Squad would? Win? I want to watch the movie. I don't even know ah. what happened in the first one yet. I still haven't seen the first what? one. I was going That's... back to back. You're gonna. You haven't seen the first. Louis I've the never. Spaceship. I've never. I've said it before. I've never seen the first one. I was gonna. I just saw it pop up last night, and I was gonna watch the movies back to back. How have you never seen Space Jam? I didn't like the '90s for TV. I was. I don't know. I was trying to. It was a TV. It was a movie. Well, movies. I wasn't a big '90s movies movies person either. Come on and jam. No. Welcome to the slam. That's unreal that you just did Everybody that. Everybody get up! It's time to slam now. We Amazing. Got a real jam going now. Welcome to the space jam. You know, I'm. I'm. I am really devastated. I am. I am very devastated. Super devastated. All right, I don't think Ari was hitting the dump button. All right, five o'clock hours on the way. God, I'm mad. The crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak 14 different languages. Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today.